Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we get to look at a very well-known section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. So remember the context of our text here together today. In the last couple of days, we've been looking at this section, chapters 11 through 14, which are dealing with division within the church, in particular division within worship. Um, This is going to have something to do with worship because we're seeing prophecy and speaking in tongues being mentioned on both ends of this section about love. So that's connected. We can't drop that out. But also, however, uh, chapter 12 had ended. Paul had listed off these eight gifts that, that God appoints to people. And it started with the higher gifts of preaching the word, actually sharing the gospel. And it concluded, it ended with what would be then a lesser gift of speaking in tongues. But even after saying that and telling us to desire the higher gifts, Paul said he would show us a still more excellent way. And that excellent way, that more excellent way, is this thing called love. So that's our context. Keep that in mind. As we look at the beginning of chapter 13, we see this is being contrasted with these gifts. The last gift, tongues, is mentioned in verse 1. The second gift is prophetic powers to prophesy, is verse 2 here. And then we have others, knowledge and faith, which are mentioned back in chapter 12 at the beginning of the chapter. There was a list of nine things that the Spirit gives as spiritual gifts to his church. These are two of those. So have those, tongues, prophecy, knowledge, faith. If I give it all away, I deliver up my body to be burned. All six of these things are contrasted with having love. This might just be a thought experiment for for a Christian to grapple with because 
really, as you slow down and start to unpack these things, we do have to answer the question of whether you can actually have these without love. Can you have faith without love? That would be a good question. That's not where Paul's going at for us, though. Paul just wants us to consider the value of love, which we're going to talk about here briefly. There's lots of connections in this first paragraph, though. I mean, Jesus in Matthew 17 talks about faith that can move mountains. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, he commands that rich young ruler who thought he had kept the law perfectly, he commanded him to sell everything that he owned, give it all to the poor, and then come and follow Jesus. He couldn't do it because his love was actually for his money. His trust was actually in his money to care for him. Delivering up the body to be burned, the, the willingness to suffer even the pains of death in order to share the gospel with others. So lots of things in this first paragraph to look at. And if you don't have love, speaking in tongues in verse 1, uh, if you don't have love, you're just a noisy gong. You're just making a bunch of sound, and it's, it's meaningless. It doesn't have a purpose. Now, as we get into the section of the text that's, that's so well known in verses 4 and onward, where do we normally hear this? What's our, our context in our world that normally brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, as it has been subtitled by many within the church? Well, marriage is usually the context. The, the love that a husband and wife have for one another. This is the probably the most commonly read text at weddings and most preached upon text at weddings. Comparatively speaking, I'm still a young guy in the office of the ministry. I have not done that many weddings compared to what many of my brothers have done and officiated. I can recall one of the pastors that I've worked with in the past um, saying to me at one point that he, he basically just challenges a couple to pick some random text in the Bible for him to pe preach on at their wedding because he's so tired of preaching at weddings on 1 Corinthians 13. He's done it so many times. I think when we come to what 1 Corinthians 13 is really talking about, we see that it's less about marriage and more about something greater. Now, don't mistake that. It's, it's good to have a marriage that is like this. I mean, look at the words. To be patient with one another as a husband and wife, to be kind to each other, to not be jealous of one another, to not be arrogant together or rude you know, to not insist on your way over your spouse, to, to not resent them, to not rejoice at wrongs, uh, but instead in the truth, to bear all things together, to endure all things together. I mean, these things would be good, yes. That would be a nice, wonderful, strong marriage. But the text isn't about marriage. At least not that marriage. The text is about the marriage of Christ and his bride, the church. This love word that we have here in Greek is not the same as the one we usually think of in English. 
and maybe that's not the right way to put it, but we have, the Greeks had four words to express what we only have one word for in English. They had four different words that we translate all of them as love in English. There's storge, the, the kind of love that you would have for your family. So if you say you love your aunt and your uncle. There's philos, which is the kind of love that you have for a friend, which is where we get the city name Philadelphia. Uh, philos, love. Adelphos, brother, city of brotherly love. Eros, romance, romantic love, sexual love. It's where we get our English word erotic. But then you have agape. And that's the word being used in this text. Agape is unconditional love. And it is the kind of love that God has for us. I once heard somebody, and I think it's it's an interesting thing to just think through, uh, replace the word love in this text with Jesus. You certainly don't want to change God's word. It gives you an interesting read through it, though. But this is unconditional love. There is nothing that you can do to separate yourself from God. Nothing. Nothing that you can do that will make him hate you or despise you or reject you. In your sin, you have rebelled against him. You've already separated yourself from God. But what did he do in return? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to deliver you, to save you, and to reconcile you to himself. The Lord does not rejoice in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked repent and live. It would be an excellent thing to walk through these adjectives with your children and share with them how these things are Christ-like. How these things talk about what Jesus did for us, that he was patient and he has endured thousands of years of human sin. That he was kind to us by sending Jesus to be our Savior, that he was not envious or boastful. He was not arrogant or rude. I mean, you can just focus on any of these things. He's not irritable. Again, our sin did not, did not make him resent us. He does not rejoice at wrongs, but instead rejoices in the truth. Jesus bore all things. He endured all things for us. Now through him we have hope, trust in the promises. It's a list of 16 things, ending with the last one in verse 8, that love never ends. The unconditional love. I mean, for it to end, would have that would be a condition. <laughs> but it doesn't. God's love for you endures all things. It endures forever. And that's contrasted in verse 8 through 12 with the higher gifts and the lower gifts as well. And this is part of the Jeremiah 31 prophecy that a time is coming where a man will no longer need to teach his neighbor about Christ because all will know him. Prophecy will pass away. 
when we are in paradise with the Lord, there's more, no more need for prophecy. When we're in paradise with the Lord, there would be no more need for speaking in tongues. There would be no more need for you know, the partial things. These are passing away. That's what verse 11 is getting at. You, you are in one condition as a child, and when you grow up and to be an adult, you're, when you're a man, you're no longer a child. And the things of your childhood, they're, they're just gone. They're behind you. And you've adopted the new ways that you need to, to go about living so that you can care for your family that you now have the responsibility for that you didn't when you were a child. Similarly, we are that child now. The ways that we go about things now are not the same as they will be in paradise. There will not be a need for, for that list of gifts from the Holy Spirit. We will all be together. We will all be one. We will all be perfect. There will be no sin. There will be no death. There will be no suffering. We will see Jesus face to face. So, verse 13, we trust in God. We have faith. We have hope in his promises for us. And we love one another, and we have his love for us. And that is why it is the greatest of these things. Faith and hope, while they're rooted in God and in his promises to us, they're still coming from within us. But the love of God comes from outside of us and is showered upon us. Maybe that's a helpful way of saying it. Maybe it's not. Uh, faith is a gift created by God, given to us. So there's that. And hope is rooted in the promise of God, not in us. So that's true and that's fair. The greatest of these is love because it's unconditional and it is entirely God for us.